But we're going to talk about the fear of God. And so I got some scriptures here that we're going to kind of go over that, that we need to, you know, allow the Holy Spirit and ourselves, if we judge ourselves, that God won't judge us. But we can't just judge ourselves without the help of the Holy Spirit because Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is going to be right there on your shoulder. You know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and wrong. So, so we never want to do it, you know, ourselves. We always want to have the help of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not going to condemn us. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who walk in the Spirit and not of the flesh. And so he wants to help us. He wants to show, show us where we come up short so we don't come up short. We want to be found worthy of our calling. We want to hear well done and faithful servant, you know, at the day the Lord rewards us. And a lot of that has to do with the fear of the Lord because we're going to fear something. We're either going to fear the Lord or we're going to fear man. We're going to, you know, fear consequences or we're going to fear God. And so we want to make sure that our fear is in the right place. And once again, that fear is not a being afraid, being afraid of God, being afraid of punishment. Perfect love casts out fear. So we don't, so we shouldn't be afraid of God, but we should be afraid of being away from God. We should be afraid of doing something outside of God. We should be afraid of doing something without God. And that includes even looking at our own heart and judging our own heart because we're not good at that either. You know, our heart can deceive us very easily. So I'm going to go through some scriptures. And so if you feel a little conviction on there or a little coming up a little short on there, just mark that down and, you know, repent and, you know, and ask the Lord, help me in this area. <laughs> and, I, you know, and, you know, it has, same thing. I mean, I've read these scriptures over earlier and I'm going to read them again. I'm going coming up short. So it's not a matter of, you know, you coming across of an A plus on something, been there, done that, and now I'll move on. But it's a constant thing. So one of the first scriptures is found in Proverbs 8.13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. So, so what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I love when the scripture has a definition for it. It's to hate evil. We must hate evil. Do we hate evil? All, all types of evil. And he does list a few things that he really detests. And there's other scriptures where he gives lists of seven things he hates. But, but he's really talking about pride and arrogance in the evil way, in the perverse mouth I hate. So to fear the Lord means to hate evil. It doesn't mean to, you know, dislike evil. It doesn't mean to tolerate evil. But it means to hate evil. And anything you hate, you're going to put far away from you, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't quite hate it, you might tolerate it, and it can be right next into you in your hip pocket. (laughs) And on pride and arrogance in the evil way, and pride and arrogance can rise up in any of us very quickly unless we get to the point that we hate it. The Scripture talks about not exalting yourself, but letting somebody else exalt. Well, when a lot of us kind of feel like our value in stock is going down, we're not feeling appreciated, we can real easy start exalting ourselves because we want pats on the back and we all should we all need encouragement but we can start exalting ourselves or start thinking ourselves more highly than somebody else i think i'm a pretty good preacher but i still rather have pastor steve up there because he knows some things i don't know and i love how he goes through scripture especially on history and sometimes he throws his perspective on you know counseling and how the mind works that i think it's excellent but i hate arrogance. I hate my own pride. I hate those kind of things. And so by the fear of the Lord, I hate those things and put those things down and won't let them give, won't give voice to them. I won't give voice to hear and I won't give voice in my heart. 
Because there's a lot of things in Scripture that said they said in their heart. It never even came out their mouth. It was in their heart. And that's when you really know that you start fearing the Lord, when you start hearing your, hear, your heart speak. <laughs> and it starts convicting you there. Oh, I should not have said that in my heart. So pride and arrogance is an evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. So the first thing of fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That scripture, Proverbs 16, 6, it says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So it departs. It walks away from evil. So if you're with family or at your work or you're at your church and gossip starts happening or, or you know, some words start coming up, you know, jokes, improper jokes or talking about different people or different things that, that, are, that are evil, are we going to stay there or are we going to depart from it? I don't always have to correct my brothers and sisters, but me walking out of the room is a pretty big correction. Yeah, right. It's saying, I do not agree with you guys. I'm not going to stand with here. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they refused to bow. But I remember as a kid reading that story and going, why don't they just kind of bow down and pretend to tie their shoes? I'm not really bowing down to that kind of stuff. Well, how many Christians do that when they just pretend not to be hearing that joke that's going around them or that gossip that's going on around them? No, it needs to depart. You need to depart from it. So you turn on your TV and you hear some of these late night people just mocking God or mocking the church. Are you going to leave that on there and hoping to get better? Or are you going to turn it and depart from it? So if you know if you fear the Lord, it's because how often do you have to depart <laughs> in this world? Jesus calls this world an adulterous generation. So there's a lot. I have to depart quite a bit. <laughs> I don't have to make a big deal about it. I don't have to, you know, get on my soapbox and tell them everybody else. I, but I myself, I've got to depart if I'm going to fear the Lord. Isaiah 11.3 says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. Is because the fear of the Lord means you're not going to make a quick judgment, a quick call. You know, Greg and thinking about sports and, you know, safe and, you know, and out and, you know, and those are, you can make those pretty quick judgments. But when it comes about motives of the heart, how are you going to make a quick judgment on that? I mean, I can see a situation come down. I can see it. I can hear it. I have five senses I can write down. But the thing is, I don't know what led up to it. I don't know why it happened. And, you know, I don't know the motive of somebody's heart. So if I'm going to really fear the Lord, I can't make judgments based on only what I see and what I want to hear. That's called science, and science is good, but I need to know more than science because there's things that I did not see and things I did not hear. So if I'm going to fear the Lord, I need to step back and say, God, you're going to have to show me some things that are not coming through my five senses for me to accurately judge what's going on here. And there be many times I'm angry at somebody because everything I see is they came after me they spoke against me, and I'm angry, and I want to retaliate or say something back to them. But the fear of the Lord keeps me from saying that, both here and in my heart. And says, no, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to bottle this. And later on, you know, you, you, you help me to see what I'm not seeing and, and help me hear what I'm not hearing. And the Lord will share something with me. And I'm going, oh, that's why they said that. That's why they did that. 
And all of a sudden, my anger is gone. And I have compassion to the very, per, you know, to the very people that may have said something you know, against me. Mm-hmm. Because I fear the Lord, and he gave me an insight to what exactly is going on. And if they would have known that, they wouldn't have done that. And people, some people come up to me and say, you're just too hard. I don't like you. Well, it's because you don't know me. If you knew me, you would like me. That just make him angrier. <laughs> but if you knew my intentions, if you knew my heart, you wouldn't be so angry with me. Mm-hmm. I do pull off the band-aids pretty quick, but it's not to hurt you. I just don't want to have you have to go through five minutes of pain. I just five seconds. <laughs> and so, so that's what we need to do. If we really fear the Lord, we need to not make quick judgments. And have quick opinions. You know, if somebody asks us as soon as we see something, we just need to say, you know, I don't have an opinion. Opinion has not yet been formed. I need to walk away from this and ask the Lord, what am I not seeing and what am I not, what am I not hearing before I judge the situation? That's what it means. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. My delight is to hear from God before I judge up a situation. Ecclesiastes 8, 12, and 13, it says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear, who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong the, his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear um, before God. <clears throat> now, one translation where it says before him it has the word openly. And if you're going to stand before God, you're going to stand before openly. Open like that. So if you're going to fear God, you're not going to fear God in a closet. You're going to fear God in public. Mm-hmm. The Christianity is, is a you know, religion that was done in public. Jesus carried his cross down Main Street in public. So we need to carry our faith in public. doesn't mean we have to be you know, loud and bodacious about it, but it means we're not going to hide it either. If people or maybe we, you know, some of you may live in the world and just let cuss words come out. Well, now that we're born again and saved and have new words in our heart, can't we just allow those words to come out? Praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Just as simple and easy as the cuss word used to come out. We don't have to hide it. In fact, we want to fear, if we're going to fear the Lord, then we've got to fear the Lord wherever we are, mm-hmm. not just in private. So how do you know if you really have the fear of the Lord? Is when you're you're at a restaurant and and you want to bless your food and you're and you're not looking around to see who's looking at you before you pray. Right. You just pray. You just pray. <laughs> or when somebody's giving a testimony and you want to say, "Well, thank you, God," even if that person doesn't know Christ, but you know that every good thing comes down from heaven. You know, Satan's not going to give you any good thing. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God comes to give life and a life abundantly. So you give thanks for God for helping somebody else, maybe not even believe God. It's because you fear God. And they may think, well, that wasn't God. That was my wisdom. (laughs) Well. (laughs) He gave you that wisdom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so so we want to make sure that, you know, we're not looking around in public before we fear God. Because if we fear God, then we're going to look to him rather than seeing who's watching us before we give you know, pray before God. So, so be well with those who fear God, who fear Him openly or before Him. 
Psalms 55, 19, it says, God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from the old. You know, Salah, think on this. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. So what's one of the signs where you don't fear God? You simply don't change. You don't repent. You just keep going on with yourself. So God corrects you. He tells you, this is not the way I want you walking. This is not the words I want you saying. This is not the way I want you living. But you don't change. You simply continue as you always did. Well, that shows that you don't fear God enough. You know, there's certainly there are things that we need to, what I call life skills. And that's one of the things where, you know, if you fear God, you don't judge by the sight of your eyes or the hearing of your ears. When I first got saved, when within the first year I was going out to the street, and sometimes I would go to detox where people were sent, rather than jail, they were sent there to detox for 12 hours. And one guy, I, you know, I just said, well, the, the reason you're here is because you drink too much. Well, that was a pretty stupid statement, of course. <laughs> It was an arrogant statement. I know I had no insight. I didn't fear the Lord enough, you know, to understand where that pe- that person came from. I had no understanding if that person had tried to get off drugs and alcohol. I didn't know their backstory. I didn't know why they came there. But now I hear people and I hear their stories and going, yeah, if I was in a situation, I may have become like that too. <clears throat> and so... And so there's, there's a difference between somebody who's learning life skills and how to, to resist temptation, that every time they fall, they, they're on their knees and say, God, forgive me, help me. I've fallen once again. That they're, learn, that they're learning triggers. They're learning how Satan tempts them versus somebody, yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but God understands. You have no fear of the Lord if you're doing that. And so when we look at people that say, I fear God, but their life doesn't show it, doesn't, they continue to live like the world, that they smell like the world, they look like the world, but they say they, you know, that they love God or fear God, they're not, they don't. And you know, there's two, there's two things that, you know, in the book of Acts, it says the church grew. The church grew up in the Lord by the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's like bookends to keep you off from going to ditches. We need the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because if all I do is afraid of trying to get, you know, I'm getting out of line and not doing everything right, I'm going, to, I'm going to feel condemned. So I need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But we live in a, in a nation that rather have, you know, wants all the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but none of the fear of God. None of the correction. None of the, hey, you're getting ready to, ready to walk off the ditch, into the ditch. You're getting ready to get hurt if you continue down this lifestyle. No, I just want God to comfort me in my sin. That means you don't fear God if you want his comfort, but don't want his correction. So if they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. Genesis 22, 12. And he said, I love this one too. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. This is the story of Abraham. You know, he has a promised child, Isaac, and God says, go sacrifice Isaac. And so he takes up and immediately says, immediately the next day he rose up early to take his son Isaac to go be sacrificed. So how do you know if you fear God? I know that here's an angel speaking to Abraham. He stopped Abraham from from sacrificing Isaac by giving him a ram. He says, I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son. To him it was a son, but what is it for you? What is it for me? What is it that I'm not willing to give to God if he's asked, if he's going to ask for it? 
Has God ever asked you for something that you wasn't sure that you really wanted to give up? I'm not, I'm not even talking about sin here. I'm talking about something good. I'm talking about even a direction in life. I'm talking about you got two jobs here. This one pays more. It has more benefits, but God wants you to take this one. And you don't want to give this one up. We know we fear God if, if we're in a position that God, whatever you want for me, I will give you. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. And I'm willingly, with great joy, willing to, to give to you whatever you ask for. That's when you know you fear God. But if there's anything that God puts his finger on, and it said, this, I'm not even talking about sin. I'm talking about something that may he may have even given you. And God asked for it back. Or when it comes to money, sometimes, you know, I'll receive a gift for somebody and all of a sudden I have this inclination to give that to somebody else. And I'm going, I need that. <laughs> well, do I fear God? Do I respect God in, enough to know that he knows what I need? And that if I pass this through me, if, he, if he's able to pass a blessing through me, then he's going to be able to get me that blessing that I need? <clears throat> That's what we've got to know. We, we just... We need to, you know, ask God. We need to go before God many times. I do this, you know, a few times a year. It says, God, is there anything in my life that you want? And when I got saved, before I got saved, I was really into, you know, a lot of music. And music was kind of my God. God, So I had, I don't know, $1,000 worth of CDs or something of all different kinds of music. And I got radically saved. And so I'd immediately quit listening to music, but I'd go home and pray, and I'd always stand right before that music. And I wasn't listening to it during that time. Then I felt like the Lord wanted me to give up that music, that the words of all that music is just not going to mesh with this new life that I've been given. So after three or four times in front of this music, I finally threw out most of it. You know, I thought about pawning it, get some of my money back, but then I was going, if God wants me to throw it out, it's probably not good for anybody. <laughs> but but I kept some of it, and then later on I gave up some more of it, but I, some of it I kept it because it was instrumental in some music, and I, was, I didn't see any reason to give that up, and even though I didn't listen to it much. And I guess it was probably maybe seven years to me being saved, and God asked for that. And I just couldn't understand why he wanted that, because I said there was not, there's no reason to believe there was anything wrong with that music. There wasn't even the lyrics to it or anything else. But anyway, I gave it to him. And I just gave him, I threw it away. And then a couple of days later, the Lord, the Lord says, well, thank you for that gift. I do know that you love me more than that music. So I asked him, but why did you want that? What was wrong with it? He said, nothing. He says, you just showed me that you love me more than that. You gave me something that was real special in your life. And you just gave it to me like that. So that's the only reason he asked for it. You know, so that I may show him that I do love him no matter what it is. And so, so, so you know, you ask yourself, Lord, you know, Lord, I want to fear you. So is there anything in my life that you want? Just because you want it. But I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son. So God may not ask you for anything. 
But Abraham feared God enough not to withhold anything. And I want to be that way as well. And there's things now in my life that I think that God is asking, and I'm going, well, you know, but your, Lord, if this is what you're asking, and we do need it on certain things, you know, we, we need to make sure we're hearing from God, you know. Uh, but, but, it's, but I'm saying, no, say, okay, okay, God, make me willing to be willing. Because this will change a lot of things if, if this is what you want, and, and I'm quite ready to give it, but I don't want to give. Sometimes he just wants you willing. Right, sometimes he just wants you willing. And he just wanted Abraham willing, right? He didn't really want Abraham's son, Isaac. So he, he wanted to be willing. All the way up to that point, he almost gave it away. So God may test you in that way too. He may want you to give something all the way to the point. He says, nah, nah, don't, you know, I don't want you to go any further. I just want to see if you're willing. Uh, Matthew 28, 5 says, But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now, how is this fear of the Lord? Because she's seeking Jesus who was crucified. See, you're either going to fear God or you're going to fear man. And if you fear God, you're going to look for Jesus. And not just Jesus, you're going to look for Jesus, the crucified one. Because there's a lot of knockoff Jesuses out there. There's more Jesus impersonators out there than Elvis. And there's a lot of people that want Jesus, just not the crucified one. But here's an angel saying, do not fear, don't be afraid if you're looking for the crucified Jesus because he is... He has risen, what scripture goes on to say. He has risen. I know there's one comedian, I think it was on Saturday Night Live, and he says, I pray to Jesus, I pray to the baby Jesus, because that's who most people want to deal with is the baby Jesus. They don't want to deal with the Jesus who overturned tables and you know temple, and they certainly don't want to deal with the Jesus who's coming back, he is king and kings and lord of lords, you know, to judge to judge the nations of this world. So if we know that we're seeking Jesus who is crucified, which means if we're seeking the Jesus who is crucified, then we're also seeking because we're crucified with him and raised with him. So that we're also looking for a crucified life. Because we have a flesh that needs crucified, not in the same natural realm like Jesus crucified. But there's a lot of habits that we need to crucify, we need to stop doing, that are not benefiting the kingdom of God and certainly not benefiting us. And that also is not always sin. Sometimes it's just simple things that are just... Not beneficial. They're not helping us, propelling us into a more Christ-like life. And so if we're seeking Jesus who is crucified, he's also going to call us to live a crucified life just as he did. Because he had the flesh just as much as we do. His flesh was without sin, but his flesh was still pulling on him. He was tempted in all ways, just like we are, but without sin. And he expects us to live the same way because the very power that that he had that raised him from the dead is the very same power that is in us. So we too can crucify our flesh with the power of God. So if we fear God, then we're going to look for Jesus who is crucified. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in in the body according to what... He has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciousness. So, if we fear God, knowing, therefore, the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So, this is probably the most difficult one. Do you fear God enough to to go to your neighbor who doesn't know God to 
to show him his need for a savior, <laughs> persuade him, persuade him to give up on this, on his way, on his God, on his lifestyle, and choose Christ. Or as you know, as, as Peter said in the book of Acts, that you know, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we try to persuade anybody? Like I said, we're either going to fear man or we're going to fear God. And usually there's kind of a mixture there. But if we're going to fear God 100%, then we can't fear man. If we don't fear man, then we're going to be open to when God says, I want you as a witness to go minister somebody. You know, Jesus was, was put in the three courts of law before he was crucified. And the only witnesses were false witnesses that came up and lied about him. There's two witnesses that could have came in Jesus' behalf, but Peter denied him, and John just remained silent. So I'm going to keep quiet. Of course, that was the will of God for you know to keep quiet, but nevertheless, Jesus is still on trial in this world. We are in the court. We're seeing Jesus being blasphemed everywhere. So are we willing to stand up and say, I know this man. I know that he's not worthy of death. I know that he's a savior of the Lord. He's the Lamb of God, crucified. I know that he's worthy to follow. I know he's the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and the only way to the Father. Or we can be like Peter and deny him. He says, ah, I'm trying. And when somebody asks you, are you a Christian? Well, I'm trying to be. <laughs> what kind of statement is that? <laughs> well, I hope to be. I go to church. <laughs> You know, or we can be like John, you know, you're in the break room and people start saying the wrong thing and you just remain quiet. You don't stand up. You don't say a thing. Or even our public when there are things that they're saying and doing. We just remain quiet. We just kind of in the back. Therefore, the, t- the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So if you're not persuading men, and this is one thing I'm convicted on because sometimes I can get too comfortable you know, speaking to the choir in the church. And certainly there are people that are not part of the choir in church. <laughs> but i got to be open that if I'm called to testify, you know, if you go to a court of a law, and sometimes you get subpoenaed to go testify. So I'm not talking about what I call shotgun messiah, something I used to do. I just go out there and run whoever I came into, I testify. But I'm talking about, you know, in, in life and, the, and in the evangelism that Paul preaches in the New Testament, that you're, walking, that you're just going through your normal day of life and all of a sudden you feel this need and you're being called to testify, to be a witness to who Jesus is. And it's only in your heart. You know you should go talk to this person. You know you should stand up when somebody's saying something evil about God, not in a mean way or divisive way, but in a way that you can say that's not who God is. You got the wrong God. You're talking about the wrong God. Let me tell you. Let me be a witness. Let me tell you of what I know about him. That's when you know that you really fear the Lord is when you're called to go in the witness box and speak up for the Lord because he's still on trial. So learn to fear God. So if you were convicted on all those things, you know, or certain ones that you feel like you're coming up short and you want to run out of here and go home and cry, <laughs> like I do, <laughs> you know, uh, um, then, you know, know this. Let's learn to fear God. Let's have some scriptures here. 
It says, or Proverbs 128-30, it says, Then they call upon me, and, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge, and he did not choose the fear of the Lord. That means that they did not choose the fear of the Lord. Guess what? We can choose the fear of the Lord. So it's not lost. It's not hopeless. So if we don't have enough fear of the Lord, I can choose to have the fear of the Lord. I still have a free will to choose. God hasn't given up on me. God hasn't shut the door on me. God is not saying, if you're embarrassed with me, then I'm embarrassed with you, which is, you know, Jesus says, if you don't, you know, stand before men, then then I'm not going to bring up your name before God, too. And we know Peter denied Jesus three times, but the fourth time he responded. And then the fifth time he spoke to 3,000 people and got saved. But we can choose to fear the Lord. We can choose, so when we're out there and, and all of a sudden we have the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go testify about Jesus, because the Holy Spirit only speaks about Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. And you can be afraid, how are they going to respond? They're going to think this, they're going to think that. You can choose to fear the Lord and choose not to fear man. You can choose to fear the Lord and choose not to be feel like foolishness. You can choose to fear the Lord. Uh, Psalms 34.11 says, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's good news. You can be taught how to fear the Lord. It's not something that you just you have or you don't have, but you can be taught, which means you can grow in the fear of the Lord. There's nobody in here that has no fear of, of God. Everybody here has fear of the Lord at some level. And I want more of the fear of God so I can be a greater witness to him. So it's good news that I can be taught. So we can be taught the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands with you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So we can not only know, you know, learn about the fear of God, but we can understand the fear of God. So we can get more by simply what we desire more, what we hunger for, what we thirst for, what we want to know. We can understand how to fear God because, you know, a lot of people, they don't know the difference between, like say, you know, fear God, just don't be afraid of him. Well, you need to understand that. You need understanding. To, how can I fear God and not be afraid of him? Because perfect love casts out fear, because fear brings torment because of punishment. If you know that Jesus took on your punishment, then you shouldn't have any fear of running to God and says, God, I've come up short, or God, I have sinned against you and all of heaven. You shouldn't have any fear of running to a, a gracious, gracious and merciful God. And if God is going to be gracious and merciful on that, then we can ha- gain understanding of the fear of the Lord and walk more in the fear of the Lord. I want people to, you know, I hope, you know, when I leave this, this, this planet, leave this world, that people will look at me and says, he feared God. He didn't fear man. And not in a bad way. You know, people, there's a lot of people I say, well, I fear God, but I don't fear man. And they're just arrogant. They're rough. They're rude. And I'm going, they have no understanding of authority. And I'm going, man, if you don't, if you don't have any, you know, respect for leaders, for those of authority, they certainly you don't have respect for God, but that's a whole other message. <laughs> so you will understand the fear of the Lord if we incline our ear to wisdom. 
Jeremiah 32, 38, and 40. So this is a great news here. They shall be my people and I'll be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me. So one, so one reason why we don't fear God enough is because, you know, we have, we have love for different things. There's a lot of people that I know that I've, because I, by, by, I fear the Lord, and I, I don't judge by the sight of my eyes or the hearing of my ears, where before I would see somebody and I would say, you don't love God because of what they're doing. But now I've realized that they do love God. They just don't, they just love some things more than they love God. They love other things more than they love God. And so because they have their heart after multiple things. And, 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 and one way. They don't have one way. With Jesus, he is one way. It's a narrow way. Well, I don't want to be so narrow-minded that I only have one way. So, they, so, so God says, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me. Forever, for the good of them and their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so they will not depart from me. And we're, we're living in a, in, a, in a society where deconstruction is happening a lot. And one of the main reasons that people are so easily deconstructing is, is because they didn't have a fear of God in their heart from the beginning. All they had was a bunch of knowledge. A bunch of, you know, scriptures and a bunch of, you know, uh, I know Apostles' Creed and things, they, they said like that, but they had no understanding of it. They had none of it in their heart. It was all in their head, and their heart was multiplied, going in so many, so many different directions that they're just deconstruction, deconstructing things and then walking away from God. But, but he says, but those of us who are born again, God promises us, I will put my fear in their hearts so they will not depart from me. This is talking about the new creation being born again. But this is also something I pray because we can harden our heart, even in the New Testament, even with the new heart. So I pray all the, time, you know, all the time, Lord, put your fear in my heart so I will not depart from you in anything. I'm not just talking about walking away from eternal life, but I'm talking about what is the definition of fear in the Lord? Depart from what? Evil. Depart from evil. <laughs> so Lord, put your, your, your fear in me so I, so I will not depart from you, but I will depart from evil. evil. So the hearts will not. So this is really good news that God is willing to put something in my heart to walk away from evil and from sin. That that He keeps me. He keeps me. I'm a kept man. <laughs> you know. Back to the Lord's prayer, it says, "You know, Lord, keep you," and and it says in Numbers too, the blessing, "The Lord keep you and bless you." He, the Lord will keep us from sin. He'll keep us from the evil one. If you, in fact, if you do a word search on keep, He keeps us. Those who fear him away from a lot of things. But those are those for who fear the Lord. Psalms 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So this is kind of like the same thing Jeremiah is saying, but this is, I don't, I think this was Moses. Unite my heart to fear your name. What does that mean? Well, there, you know, God has given us a heart. We're, we're three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. And we have a heart, and, and that heart's kind of like the temple of God, like the temple they had, you know, we're reading about in Exodus, Moses' temple, then goes on to be mm-hmm. other, you know, other temples. And so you have the holies, the holy place, and then you have the holies of holies. The holies of holies is where 
where you have the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, and, and, uh, and the holy places where you have light and showbread and everything else we're talking about in Exodus as Pastor Steve takes us through that. And so, and the outer court is cut off at some point. It's like, it's the flesh. It's where all the repentance is done. It's where all the blood and water is. And so that's cut off. And so we have one heart, but we still have a, in this temple, we still have the, the curtain that's separating the, separating the holy place from the holy holies of place. And we become born again. God gives us a new heart, but that heart is the outside of that temple. And inside of that, that temple is God's presence. And there's a curtain, a very thick curtain. You know, that curtain, remember, was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. Well, that was torn, you know, the division between us and God. But in our heart, we also have chambers, two chambers. And we have a very thick thing that keeps those two chambers apart. Because if that curtain comes down in your heart, you're dead. And so one part of that new heart that God gives us is his spirit that comes to live in us, our brand new spirit. And the other side of that is our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. And I don't know about you, but, you know, many times I am, I am willing, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. So my heart sometimes goes in two different directions. I want to serve the Lord. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Why? Because my heart is not united. My soul is not following the spirit. I'm walking after the flesh rather than walking after the spirit. So when I say, unite my heart to fear your name, Lord, when, I'm, when he's praying this, and when I'm praying this, and when you're praying this, you're asking God to help me renew my mind so that my thoughts, my emotions, and my will follows after the spirit of God rather than a different direction. Because God doesn't want us unequally yoked. And if our soul is going this direction, but the Spirit of God has taken us in this direction, we're unequally yoked. So I said, so I said God, unite my heart that I may fear your name. My spirit already fears the name of God because it's a brand new spirit and the spirit that he's given me cannot know, cannot know sin. It will never sin. But my soul can my mind, my, my, my thoughts, my, my emotions, and my will, God hasn't lassoed those. He's not forcing me to do anything. So I've got to choose to renew my mind to walk after the Spirit so I do not fulfill the desires of my flesh. And so if I want my heart to be united, spirit, soul, and then body's going to follow along. This body's going to go whichever way the spirit and soul decide to go. Body doesn't really have a mind of its own. It's going to do whatever you tell it to do. Mm-hmm. So it can go after the, after the spirit or it can go after the flesh. Your body really doesn't care. But the war is between your spirit, spirit and soul. So when your soul unites with the spirit, <laughs> the fear of the Lord is there and you're going to walk in, this, walk in the spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So pray that. Pray that tonight. Pray that in the morning. Pray that. So Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my soul to follow after the spirit rather than going in my own understanding. So I guess that was the last one there. <laughs> so we notice we started out talking about what is the fear of the Lord, because many people don't think it is. Many people think it's about being afraid of God, fear of God punishing them, you know, and perfect love casts out fear. And of course, we have Moses who told Israel, says, God brought you out here to bring you close, you know, so don't be afraid of him. And he's going to, you know, he's going to put his fear in your heart. And that can be, whoa, he said, 
don't be afraid of them so they can so we can fear him well <laughs> there's a difference respect and honor you know and 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 fear and trembling and all that so so we need to know what those kind of things are so it's good to know that as the Holy Spirit brings us conviction, as we're saying, God, here I am, you know, you know, check my heart, see if there's anything in me. Like King David prayed, he can only do that if you really fear God, so that he can show us where we're coming up short. Because I want to fear God, I don't want to fear man, especially where it looks like we're going. I don't want to deny Christ. And if I fear man more than I fear God, then that's just the outcome. That's just that's just the road it goes. You're going to either deny, either deny your life. Jesus said, "If you want to follow me, deny your life, pick up your cross, and follow me," or you can deny Christ. That's really our only two options at the end of the road: is either denying Christ or denying our own life. And I want to deny my own life so I can be found in Christ. So that's what fear of the Lord is. So if you've been convicted on that, we found out that we can learn about fear of the Lord. We can be taught about that. We can understand about that, that God himself will put his fear in our heart. And so we have a lot to celebrate, you know, and and shout about that uh, we're not here trying to do some kind of religious works to somehow muster up this fear that we can come before God because Jesus fought on the cross. We can boldly go into the throne room to obtain the grace and mercy that we need in a day of trouble. So let's just be honest with God and go to him and say, God, I don't fear you enough. I don't respect and honor you enough. So please help me because I want to. I want to, want to, want to. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to fear you, not because I'm afraid of you, because I want to know you. So let's go to prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for oh, your long suffering towards us, Father. And, and, I, and Lord, we, we do want to know you. We do want to have more fear, Lord. We don't want to be you know, in a situation like Peter was, Father, and find out that we don't fear you enough, that we end up denying you three times and, and we walking away. Or we don't want to be like John, Lord, where we just remain silent, Father. But we want to be able to stand up, Lord, that when we call to the witness stand on this court, Lord, where Jesus is being, you know, being mocked and being judged, Lord, that we'll have the fear of God enough to stand up for the truth and to speak of the good name of Jesus that he has left us, Lord, that we may be a witness, Lord. You know, declaring and decreeing and being and giving testimony of how good and kind and merciful God you are, that you are sinless, that you were of a virgin birth, that that you what you said that you are going to do, that you are going to return to judge the living and the dead, that you are going to bless those who call upon you and 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 those who you know, went your way, Father, let your will be done, Lord, will be in heaven. And, and those who went their own way, their will is going to be done. And they're going to find themselves in a place that they didn't, you know, expect to be, Lord. So, Father, put your fear in our heart. Unite our heart that we may fear your name in spirit and in soul and our body will follow. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for, for being so long-suffering and ministering to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.